0: I can hear you. I hear you. You see see me? I see you. I hear you. I wish I could be you. So, it's time.
1: What are you, uh, Michael Buffer? Yeah, that's right. Are you Michael Buffer? It is time. It's time. For Season 5 of the Talking Lead AK Corner. This is the kickoff episode for Season 5. So welcome back all you leadheads that uh, have been missing the AK Corner. We skipped a month, the month of January. If you listened to the last podcast, it's been a hectic December and January. Uh, so I apologize about that, but uh, we will be back on schedule starting with this episode. And uh, joining me to kick off Season 5 is our good friend and your uncle, Uncle Paul Markle. <laughs> uh, I
0: guess I could get called a lot of stuff.
1: Professor, Uncle, Pimp Hand. What other nicknames you got?
0: Well, my, my grandbaby calls me Paga.
1: And then, okay, Paga. There's one. And,
0: and, and, and Grandma is Maga. So Maga and Paga.
1: Is that like Maga? Make America Great Again? Is that make granny great again? MAGA? Well
0: we didn't prompt that. And if you anybody who has grandbabies, you you don't prompt them. They tell you. You just wait until they, they start talking and then they, they pick it.
1: They and they so, name you, huh?
0: Yeah, Ruth was, I don't know, eighteen months and uh, she couldn't say grandma, but she pointed at Nancy and said MAGA.
1: I said MAGA and That's so, what it was, huh?
0: Yep, so she became MAGA, and I became PAGA, and that's just,
1: that's it, man. I know a lot of people plan on, like, priors, like, all right, this is what I want to be called by the grandbaby. And you, because, you you know, normally you've got, like, two sets of grandparents, and one of them gets butthurt because the other one gets the, you know, the cool grandparent name or whatever. The good nickname, yeah. Yeah, the good nickname, and, uh, but it usually turns out completely different, like you said, because the the baby usually... Dictates what the, what the, all that's going to be. The baby's
0: you know? picket, yeah. The yeah. the baby's picket. Like, you do a you, complete you say, Oh, I want to I want to be called derp derp derp. You like
1: it's <laughs> derp, not really derp, up derp. <laughs> Good old derp dirt derp derp. So we got Pogger joining derp. us for the uh, for the kickoff here. So for those yeah. of you who are new to the uh, the AK Corner, maybe it's the first time you've tuned in. This is our fifth season. Uh, we started five years ago. Started this thing called the AK Corner. Uh, and it is designed to be educational, fun, informative, um, and, um, have a good time basically learning about the AK platform. When I first started this, uh, I didn't really know much about the AK 47 other than what I'd seen in the movies. You know, it was always the bad guy rifle, the AK 47. That's what the, the evil people used in the movies and, the, the enemies in those war movies uh, Vietnam and you know you'd watch those those old movies but um, it has come a long way baby you remember those virginia slim commercials oh yeah
0: you beca- they used to what's funny is the the virginia slims uh they used to buy full page ads in magazines like cosmopolitan and stuff like yeah. that yeah you come a long way
1: baby come a long way baby those cigarette Commercials, you can't. They can't advertise cigarettes anymore, can they? Is that against the law no. or something?
0: And people still buy them. It's it's, it's funny. It's
1: still, probably one of the most purchased uh, items.
0: You know they don't they don't items. advertise cocaine, but people keep buying.
1: It. <laughs> they don't advertise cocaine either, do they? <laughs> well, you don't see many advertisements for AKs either, um, as far as magazines go, other than gun gun magazines. <laughs> Uh, you know, I have seen more some TV commercials for firearms companies. Have you have you seen any of those? Not like on mainstream media, but like the lower no, channels. No, actually,
0: and- uh, no. It was a knife com- a knife company. I saw Benchmade bought Benchmade knives bought a uh, a spot on a football game. I wasn't watching the football game on purpose. I was in a a bar where that where it was on and I I looked and then I saw I saw the benchmade butterfly and then I saw I was like oh that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And for those of you who um, need to educate yourself, Paul Markle is the host and creator of Student of the Gun podcast, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are your listeners. We uh, do a lot of crossovers there. But if you you haven't, as Paul says, you need to fix yourself, correct yourself and Go subscribe and listen to Student of the Gun. It's on any of the major podcasting apps. And then, of course, the website, studentofthegun.com? Yep. Yep. Studentofthegun.com. S-T-O-G for, for short. S-O-T-G. That's what I said, S-O-T-G. You see. <laughs> S-T, student. I went with the S-T. Um, but, Paul, welcome in. Thank you so much for... Uh, Joining me for our season five kickoff,
0: you are most certainly welcome, my friend.
1: And most you're you're welcome. kind of you're festive, kind of in the in the militant mood. It looks like you've got your green beret. Yeah, on. I've
0: actually, I, I'm wearing this because uh, I, I wanted to. Uh, my my focus is on uh, the citizen soldier, and you've you've read the Patriot Fire Team book, right? Yes, sir. Okay, you, you got the Patriot the original Patriot Fire Team book.
1: Uh, as far I didn't know there was another one, but (laughs)
0: well, there's three. Oh,
1: okay. There's three.
0: There's there's actually three books. Uh, and I was uh recently asked. They said would would you consider taking the three books and just compiling them into one volume so that somebody could purchase just the one thing? Yeah. And I said, okay. Uh, I'm a writer. I can do that. I have the, I have the capability. You have to, the
1: technology. Uh, we, we can rebuild. Have
0: the, we have the technology. We have the capability. We can rebuild it. So little Steve Austin, six, six million, million
1: dollar, dollar man. man. Google it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: you know, All right. Quick aside. I I grew up watching that. Right. Oh, I, I did too. In in you know elementary school watching six million dollar man. I wanted the six million dollar man action figure. That was the hotness. Oh yeah. For Christmas like in seventy four or seventy eight or whatever. I don't remember. Uh, one of the, it might be Paramount Network. One of the, uh, the app television networks. Mm-hmm. They they went into the vault and they dug out the six million dollar man. Really? So you can watch them now. Hmm. They're terrible.
1: <laughs> They're terrible. Isn't that um, the case for most of those old, you know, we, we grew up with the TV shows? You oh, go back and you watch them now, and you're like, oh, "How your, did I? your
0: memories? It just my memories were destroyed."
1: Well, but at the but, time, that was oh, that was cream of the crop, maybe.
0: At the time, it was crazy because you know it was science fiction. It was the what if we took an astronaut who crashed and made him a bionic man, and you realize they the first. Episode was released in seventy
1: three. Really, 1973? So it's been
0: fifty years.
1: That explains, I guess, why um, I didn't personally have the toys, but my I got two older brothers, and mm-hmm. I got their hand-me-downs. You know, so they had the six million dollar man, the big uh, I don't know they were the like, like twenty bigger. inches or something. Yeah, they were the yeah, big the one that was the size of, a, of an old GI Joe. Yeah, they
0: they and that's like what the I real GI
1: and he had that hole in the back of yeah, his yeah. head to where you, yeah, you could, could look, look through, through back, yeah. his bionic eye.
0: <laughs> you could look through his bionic eye and he had the, you could roll it. They had the rubber sleeves yeah. and he had the the bionic chips in his arm and his legs and stuff. His oh, chest. Yeah, the the his, red tracksuit.
1: Oh, yeah. That, was, yeah. that was classic. And then his enemy, that, that robot that you could change the faces on it. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember yeah. that guy being in a an episode, but I guess he was.
0: I don't remember. I don't remember that, but I remember Oscar Goldman. His, Oscar his freaking,
1: Goldman, yeah, his
0: boss. If if you guys watch that movie, the uh, the forty year old virgin, when Seth Rogen walks into Steve Carell's house or his apartment, and he goes, "Is that Oscar Goldman? <laughs> Do you have Steve Austin's boss on your on your?" shelf and he said and he's like he's worth way more than than the original you know whatever so i went on ebay and i looked and oscar goldman is not worth worth more than if you've got a steve austin in the box it's worth thousands
1: yeah oh i can imagine yeah, i didn't even know they made an oscar goldman nothing. but was anyway, never was anyway, never so, one of our sought after action figures i guess <laughs>
0: These old guys are talking about 1970s toys here. I want to talk
1: about guys. well, well, and and getting to that, you know, you brought up the old GI Joes, the the 12 inch, or the 12 inches, I guess, the 12 inch GI Joes. Yeah, they were like
0: 11 or 12 inches.
1: Yeah, I think they they call them like 12 inch GI Joes. But, um, in keeping with our AK thing, they had an AK, um, you know, replica that was the size and fit the. Yep. Yeah. And I I remember having that. Um, well, again, it wasn't mine. It was my brothers. They all had the you know the twelve inch GI Joe. So I got the hand me downs. I never got one of my own. And they had the the one where you could pull the string in his chest and he would talk. <clears throat>
0: um, yeah, they had a they had a variety of them. because that was that was in the Vietnam era.
1: Yeah, they had all like oh. Vietnam era weapons and kit and gear that they yeah, came they had, with. Uh,
0: a GI Joe had an M fourteen. There's yep. an M14 that he had, and, and all that stuff, and a 45, and yeah. so let's let's talk about citizen soldier. So
1: anyway, citizen soldier. <laughs> that's what i started this.
0: Yeah. So uh, no, I, I what I'm doing right now the is I'm taking the original Patriot Fireteam manual, the equipment guide, uh, and the mission planner, putting them into a trilogy, and the uh, in to give the audience something new, something fresh, some brand new material, uh, I wrote a new foreword called "Basically the Citizen Soldier Examined," talking about the concept and the idea. And in the United States, you know, if you're a gun person, it it's not really new to you, or it's not really unique, or or whatever. But if we take uh, a moment and we look at the concept of the citizen soldier. Of the citizen who actually is trained and is armed, but isn't necessarily a part of an organized military unit, you don't fall under the control of the government, right? Mm-hmm. Like a citizen soldier, they're they're controlled basically by themselves and their in like the group that they're a part of, a community.
1: And Can they call those militias.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, if if you read the. Uh, the, the book Paul Revere by, I can't remember the author's name right now, it's a, it's a good thick book and it, it talks about Paul Revere, but not just about Paul Revere, but about that entire time frame leading up to, you know, April of 1775. And uh, we all know the term militia, but a lot of people don't know the term training band. And the groups of citizens organized in New Hampshire and Massachusetts and New York and so forth, often they weren't called militias. They called themselves training bands. And a training band was essentially a group of citizen soldiers who agreed uh, to get together monthly or quarterly or whatever and drill. Right. They called it drilling. And they would go to the drill field and every community. And so that's the thing about our old communities they all had a centralized drill field that was specifically designed for the the guys, the citizens. Every Saturday morning, or you know, every other Saturday morning, or like whatever. The National to go guard go out there and and train. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what they call the what so, the National Guard does. If weekend you
0: think about it, weekend drills. Yeah, but but the see here is the difference: a citizen soldier or training band or militia, is they're only beholden to their themselves and their peers and their community. They're there they're out of a sense of duty. It's not their job. They don't get paid to do it. They volunteer. And if the king or the lord or the, you know, whomever tells them to go do something that is against their conscience, they don't go. They don't have to go. They're not obligated to go. So, the citizen soldier, you say, yeah, duh, that's pretty common. Actually, it's the exact opposite. If you go back in history, you know, what's what's other than the United States? What's one of the most famous examples, Marty, of the citizen soldier?
1: Other than the United States,
0: there were three hundred of them, and the three hundred. Oh, the, movie, the, 300. the
1: Spartans.
0: The Spartans. So, in Spartan culture, they have they encouraged the idea of. The citizen soldier you know when you were when you were a kid if you were a physically fit young male you it wasn't ah maybe you can do this if you want to or if you're interested in it no it was considered duty and you you wouldn't even consider not training and not participating because it'd be shameful but in the in the world in which we live most kings emperors lords what have you they, they're not down with the idea of the citizen soldier, because what happens if you train all of your adult men in, in arms and they are armed and they have arms on them and they decide that you, as you as the king are screwing up or the emperor or the czar or the whatever?
1: Or the president?
0: Well, they don't like that. Or the <laughs> president or the governor. <laughs> yeah. They don't like that. They don't like that crap. So generally, and you say, well, how do they fill their armies? Well, they would wait until they were getting ready to invade Persia or Egypt or wherever, and they would draft their conscription, right? they go out amongst the peasantry, and they're like, here's the deal. Peasants, you're going into the army, and you don't have a choice. Here we go. But they were under the control of the king, the lord, the whatever, and they had to do what he said, whether they morally agreed with it or not. You see, that's the, the, the big difference between a person who's active duty military and a citizen soldier mm-hmm. is the citizen soldier is not obligated to violate their own conscience. Now you say, you know, if you're active duty military, you, you might say, well, yeah, I'm not either because, you know, when I, when I went to basic training, they taught us, they said, Hey, uh, these are the rules of war, the articles of war. We actually learned about the constitution in basic training. We learned, and, uh, We were told that following orders is not an excuse to violate the law. So if you violate the law, the rules of war, the Constitution, just because someone told you to do it and you did it, that's not a free pass.
1: Yeah. You know, we had that here in the United States called the draft.
0: Yeah, we did for a long time because we you know why? Because we lost our way, Marty. We were founded as a nation of citizen soldiers, and then what happened? Civil War.
1: The Civil War?
0: I was, just, I was they thinking tried to was do something before that, kids.
1: but I guess the Civil War, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, and if, if you kids who went to public schools and didn't learn much, look up the New York draft riots. See how many people died. Died. Like, you know. They're, they're spending they're gonna spend a hundred billion dollars investigating the nine the, or the January 6th insurrection uh, where the only people that were killed were killed by the state look up the draft riots
1: it was in um, 1863 sometimes referred to as the Manhattan draft riots and known at the time as draft week where violent disturbances in lower Manhattan widely regarded as the accumulation of white working class discontent with new laws passed by Congress that year to draft men to fight an ongoing American Civil War. The riots remain the largest civil and most racially charged urban disturbance in American history. How many people died? Um, A lot. Let's see if it gets to that here pretty quick. Uh, 120, about 120 is what it says. Official deaths: 120
0: deaths, and and uh, we're going to spend 100 billion dollars on the January 6th insurrection. But I bet you 99 percent of your audience didn't learn that in school about the New York draft riots.
1: Uh-uh. I don't know that I did. Yeah. Well, let's get back to your books. So you're doing these books? All right. <laughs> so the book. We got off this topic a little bit there. Um, yep. Oh yeah. Also a historian.
0: Uh, if you, uh, well, which is why he's called Professor the, uh, Paul. The, the equipment guide uh, I, I talk about uh, you know you get down into the into the weeds into the nitty-gritty uh, about uh, arms and, and what should your what arms should your team possess and so on and so forth and essentially you've got it broken down in the United States to to two central platforms uh, the AR platform and the aK platform
1: and oh you know who's rolling in their grave right now
0: or Jared James, yeah. You, you I know, just said platform. <laughs> he hated the term platform, but uh, what you know, I, I got to use it. Yeah, you know?
1: it's okay. You but smack the, my you know, wrist when I say it, so I got to smack yours.
0: Oh, oh, I know, I know, I um, know. And I and I, you know, do it lovingly, lovingly. And I know, but, I know. But the uh, yeah, the so the AK. And here's the thing that I don't know if you hear, you know, a lot of people are like, oh man, the AR is great because it's like a Mr. Potato Head because you can modify it, customize it, and you know, all the different stuff on it. And that's nice. And I do it. And, and that's cool. But it's not an absolute. You know, the idea that, well, if this gun, if, you, if I can't change out the end without using tools, and if, if it doesn't have M-lock on it, then it's no good. No, yeah. It's not really really true. We need to focus on what's the mission. What do I want to do with this gun?
1: Right. Because they are ultimately tools. That's right. It's and what what cool. what uh what configuration is this tool going to get you the best success for the job that you're trying to accomplish? And you know, at the time when the AK-47 was designed, you know, it was designed around the 7.62 by 39 bullet, and uh, for that round, you know, the rifle was made, and that's where we got the the AK-47. Mikhail Kalashnikov back in 1947. Of course, it was before that when he actually designed it and, and testing and, and did all that. And you guys can go back to listen to previous episodes. We've done the history. I'm not going to do a history on, on our Season five first episode here. But just to introduce new people that are just getting into the AK, it does have a rich history. And it has been around for many, many, many years. And the design is basically the same. The design hasn't changed hardly any since the original AK47 design the AKMs you know they went from forged to to uh to milled receivers or milled to um um Stamp thank you mm-hmm. uh receivers and uh you know that's that was probably the big change that they made and they did that for you know they wanted to make it lighter easier cheaper to produce and um you know for the most part you, you don't get much difference between a a a stamped and a milled. Um, And that's what you see most of the AKs today, especially the American maids. I don't think there's, I don't know, is there any American company that's doing a a milled receiver? I mean, there might be one or two. uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, The,
0: was it the C39? The Century C39? Yeah, but they don't make that anymore. Well, they did. Yeah. 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 Century did for a while. They were making uh, milled receivers. Uh, And, and the truth is they were really good. Oh, they were really well made. And one of the things you can do with a milled receiver is you can flare the mag well. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever used a, a stamped receiver and you're changing mags, then somebody hands you a milled receiver with a flared magwell. It's almost like it sucks the magazine right in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's just.
1: Yeah, it's like crazy. an AR flared magazine. It just, it helps yeah, with the feed. Let, and, wow,
0: that, that was fast and cool. But you pay for it because a milled receiver weighs about a pound more than a stamped receiver. So there is the added weight. So if you don't want the weight...
1: You get the added weight, you get the added durability, uh, arguably, um, between between the two. Uh, But yeah, um, we were going to talk American manufacturing with Palmetto State Armory today, but uh, due to scheduling conflicts, that's not going to happen. I know that we made a post... And several of you had had posted some questions for them, so we're gonna to try to get them on in another episode and uh, get your questions answered. Um, but we're still going to do giveaways today. So as as we normally do, I'm uh, going to go through those people who participated. And Seal uh, One sponsors of Talking Light at AK Corner. We're going to be giving away one of their uh, cleaning packages to one of you lucky listeners. And Mission First Tactical, also sponsors of the Talking Land AK Corner, we're going to give away one of their awesome dump trays. Dun-dun-dun. And if you listen to our previous just normal episode we had uh, from CO1, we had Dwight settle on, and they've got a new complete uh, gun cleaning kit that has the tools also. They've started uh, manufacturing their own cleaning tools. So you got your cleaning rod, the handle um, uh, and tips. So they're going to start making those kits. Those aren't available yet, but once those become available, we're going to give away uh, some of those to you listeners uh, as well. And of course, mission first, you guys heard, you've been listening to our shot show episodes that we've been dropping. They released at shot show. They've got a new magnetic holster. It uses magnets for the retention. So you don't have those screws and, and you know those little rubber things that go in with for the retention uh you know how you're you, you ever been to the range paul and you see all these little uh, washers and screws where you know they come loose out of people's holsters and you know they're just laying around or you i'm sure you've experienced yourself where you're like hey what the hell my holster's loose you know you lose a the screw their magnetic retention system does away with all that so you don't have to worry about those screws anymore it's pretty cool. did you have an opportunity to see it?
0: No, I didn't, but that's interesting.
1: yeah, I don't have one yet. They haven't sent me one yet, but um it's it's pretty cool. so it's at the you know where your uh muzzle will go in toward the bottom of the holster. there's a a guide rod that your barrel will go through and then it goes right in down to the magnet, and then the magnet it's like a 12 pound retention holds it in place. So it's pretty cool, pretty cool. interesting. Thing. Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, and then they also came out with their belly band holster, so like a velcro elastic type material that um, for you joggers, you runners, you want a more sleek profile for ladies. carry. It's for anybody for for men. But
0: I've noticed that that a lot of the because women's you know, men's clothing are made for function, and women's clothing is made for fashion.
1: I guess. Yeah. Now,
0: it, 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 it's hard. For when women get into concealed carry, it's generally really hard for them to find stuff that fits and works. Well, yeah, because, because
1: in today's society, you know, they're doing more form-fitting clothes, and they don't wear those... Uh, uh, what <laughs> are those dresses called that your grandma wore? The big the moo moo. I don't wear the moo moo's much anymore. <laughs> um Let me share my screen here for our viewing audience. And there, that's kind of what you're talking about there. Mm-hmm. Um so this is their new belly band holster. And uh, it's got a lot of real estate on it, so they've u- utilized the the belly band to wear not only just your holster, but you'll be able to carry your light, your knife, a spare mag, you know, you've got your ID, some money. Uh, so really cool idea, real, really cool concept that Mission First has come out with this. We'll probably be giving away uh, a couple of those throughout the uh, AK Corner this season too, so... Be paying attention. Um, participate whenever we make posts on the social medias asking for your questions. Uh, we draw winners from that too. So, uh, you've got suggestions for the show, talkingled at gmail.com, uh, topics, guests you want to have on. Email me, let me know. Uh, if we use one of those, you know, again, that's you're participating. That's where we get. Our winners for our prizes that we give away. And, uh, I mean, we just gave, we just did a $10,000 giveaway during, uh, the month of December. We gave away four firearms in that, Uh, a slew of primary arms optics was included in that, uh, all kinds of cool stuff. We gave away gun cases, uh, really cool, fun giveaway. So make sure you're watching our social medias, keeping up participate listen and win i
0: see the vz 58 one there yeah so yeah. that
1: that was a fun episode that we did uh last year this is our second episode that we did uh we talked about the check vz 58 paul was on that episode we had uh, curtis haustrom
0: so that was that was exactly one year ago
1: it wasn't it february 15th yeah so right at it definitely uh, so that, I was just kind of scanning through and, and all the cool stuff that we talked about last season. The VZ58 was, uh, was one of those. Um, we talked about muzzle devices and triggers. We had the guys from Dissonant Arms on. We talked about the Kalash Bash uh, event that they put on. We had, uh, Nils, uh, Gravelius on. And, uh, we talked about the Yugo Zastava M70. Uh, it was just a good, it was a good year. We had some great topics, great guests. There you see we had fuller on uh, what was that? Uh, episode 6 and uh, we did some home build tips and tricks. So good 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 year, good episodes that we had. We're going to have even more this year. Uh, and a lot of these episodes were from suggestions that you guys had and things that you wanted to to for us to talk about. So talkingletgmail.com send me your suggestions for season 5. And I can go ahead and start lining those up for later on um, this year. And, of course, we're going to do, again, we're going to do the AK-47 versus the AR-15 Round 3 this year. Uh-huh. And you haven't been on one of those yet, have you, Paul? No. Okay. we, we got to get you on the next one of those. So we, we go against the guys from the AR-15 podcast. Um, do you know those guys? Have you met them yet? Yeah. Yeah, Dooley and um, – He's going to kill me. I forget the other guy's name, but he wasn't on this year. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a good little tete to tent that we do with those guys. It's fun. Uh, we did a little folders and furniture episode with you. you remember that one, episode eight?
0: Oh, wow. Wow.
1: Um, Joe Moe was on that episode.
0: Thank you. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he came in. He was having a swap cooler problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That was fun. We gave away uh, two. Did we give away two BFT forty sevens last year? I know we gave away one. Oh, and then we auctioned off one with Sheepdog Impact Assistance, so we raised yep. some money for Sheepdog Impact Assistance. So appreciate all you lead heads that uh, took part in that. That was a uh, oh man good fundraiser.
0: I meant to get up with him at SHOT show and I didn't. I'm a jerk. What happened? Did did he come by the booth?
1: Who? The
0: the the uh, sergeant major. Oh
1: sergeant major. I don't he didn't I I don't think he came this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think he made it. Yeah, Lance. Yeah. Sergeant major we, Lance. we
0: did the show right before Shot Show in December and, and I, I, I sent him an email and I was like, Hey man, we should talk at at Shot and you yeah. know how that is.
1: Yeah. That doesn't always happen. But yeah, so it was a good a good year. Um and then, like I said, our plans for this episode kind of got put on a hiatus. So Paul and I are just kind of, kind of winging it right now <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> so I apologize. You know, shit happens, and you know, then we're stuck to improvise, and that's what we're doing right now. Um, what about? Let me go to some of the questions here that you guys did say. Maybe there's something that we could, we could go over. You and I.
0: Yeah, if it's about manufacturing AKs,
1: yeah, I'm the yeah, we're <laughs> going to be. Is heat treating more critical in AK production than AR production? Well, what is the greatest learning curve in building AK rifles? Our rifles after primarily building ARs. Well, it's there's nothing, and for one, you're not building. You're putting together ARs.
0: <laughs> well, see, yeah, that's the thing is people are like, "Oh, you didn't build it, you just assembled it I'm like, okay, i I don't have a forge, I can't ream barrels and
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, people know we know we know what you're talking about, so yeah, I'm not gonna beat somebody up if they say they built an AR, you know, right, I say the same thing. I've built well, that's like say if somebody
0: says they, they 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 built an engine for their car. Like, I don't imagine that you smelt the metal and poured it out and forged it.
1: And exactly.
0: You got the parts and put them all together.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So I'm not a purist in that sense. If you say you built an AR, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, hmm. Say you manufactured one, then that's, you know, that's different. <laughs> it's a little different. But uh, yeah, you can't
0: say that. You'll get in trouble.
1: That's true. Yeah. Might uh, government might, might come after you. Um, The greatest learning curve. What would you say the greatest learning curve in building an AK versus an AR is? Again, um, you got to know the parts. Different parts.
0: Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this: that you know, you can. I, I've I've replaced triggers. You know, I've switched out trigger groups in AKs and and all of furniture. I've swapped out stocks and ends and grips and all that and that's all pretty straightforward and easy that it's the trunnion barrel gas system assembly that you don't just do at your workshop you know what i mean you don't just do it at your workbench yeah or your kitchen table uh that needs to be done under the watchful eye of a professional you know that was the that was actually the uh sadly the the uh, the Achilles heel for our buddy uh, Brian at Occam uh-huh. for his sight tower was you couldn't do it at home. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it a fantastic idea. It's a genius idea, but it's got to be installed by somebody, a professional,
1: Who has with a tools.
0: dedicated manufacturing facility. Yeah. You, you can't do it at your kitchen table. No. Uh, the truth is, with an AR if you had parts if you had all the parts and the the appropriate tools, you know, like a barrel wrench and stuff like that. But if you have all the parts, you can uh, you don't even need a vice. It's nice to have a vice, but you don't have to have one. You could do it on your kitchen table if you needed
1: to. Well, it's the tools that you need, I guess would be the biggest learning curve because you need more specialized tools for assembling an AK than you do an AR. Especially because yeah, you got to press that hard. barrel in, you got to have a barrel press, and if yeah. you don't get a receiver that's already um, folded and you know riveted, then you know there's more tools that you're going to need because you're going to need to bend your your receiver, so you're going to need a tool for that. You're going to need a rivet tool, you know, to put your rivets in. So, a little more involved, quite a bit more involved in. Building an AK than an
0: AR, which is kind of funny because people look at the A the AK and they assume that it was built by peasants in in caves. You know, yeah, they're like, "Oh, that's that's just a that's a, a piece of crap," and they just build it in a cave. I mean, was like, "Peasants build it in a cave," and like actually, it's not. That's not really the case at all.
1: Uh, um, it's a highly uh, engineered piece of equipment. Oh yeah,
0: Kalashnikov was no fool. He was—he was a smart dude.
1: Yeah uh, what what's he what's his famous saying? Um, something about I've got it here, and I use this in the very first episode. All that is complex is not useful, and all that is useful is simple. <clears throat> so what what's he what, what he what he's saying by that is. Is that keep it simple, stupid? <laughs> well, not only, only that, principle.
0: but we have this tendency as Americans to to complicate things to the point of our own detriment. We make things more complicated or complex than they need to be. Yeah, because we we have this, this illusion that the more complicated it is, the better it is. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, you know, it's not that simple. It's super complex, and like. Well, if it's super complex, then it's probably not a great idea. Yeah, it would be better if it was simple.
1: Let's see, Glau, true. How did PSA go about designing the Spiker? Uh, so Very careful. Same specs. When there's another Palmetto from Flood. Uh, AK Corner, so glad, stoked to see AK Corner season five back. And for those who don't know Flood Munitions, that's Evan Floodman, and he was my right-hand man at SHOT Show this year. So all the cool pictures and videos and uh, you know everything we did there, he, he helped me do all that. So props to, to Evan. Mustang Perry, what is everyone's opinion on why more manufacturers have not started producing American AKs? Um, it's money, man. It's it's well, profit margin. You know what's selling. Um,
0: and we just talked about it, Marty. It's you know I, I was actually talking to the guys at uh, Kalashnikov USA.
1: Yeah.
0: And the reality is, we got super spoiled when when the when the, the Soviet Union collapsed. And they broke up into all the little individual states, you know, Romania and Yugoslavia and, you know, Czech Republic. And when the, when Yugo broke up, what did they have? They, they didn't have money, but they had guns, right? They had mm-hmm. guns, they had ammo, pieces, parts. And so Americans, Century and several other companies, they went to the former Soviet Union with cash in hand. And they said, we got American dollars. What do you have? And those dudes are like, what do you want? Yeah. You know, cracking open connex boxes are like, and, and I, I know a couple of those guys, one of them really closely. He said, they showed me stuff for sale that I knew I couldn't bring back to America. He said, but it was really,
1: cool. but he wanted <laughs> it. Yeah. Can you buy it or leave it there?
0: <laughs> yeah. We got RPGs, you know? Yeah. you know, what do you want? But, um, so that's when you know the the the, uh, the late '90s and going into the 2000s is when we had this flood of super cheap, inexpensive AKs, and so Americans they started equating AK with cheap, right? Right. The, back in the days of the three hundred dollar Washers, yeah. You know, they're like, ah, oh, shit, AK is only $300. This is a cheap piece of shit. No, it was a good deal because they wanted American dollars, and back then the American dollar was still strong. And and so our, our guys, you know, our companies in America, we got smoking deals. Remember the cases of, like, $99 cases of 7.62? Like the ham cans?
1: Mm, yeah.
0: You could get a ham can of 7.62 for 99 bucks. Yeah. You could get Shit! You could get an SKS and a can of ammo for ninety nine dollars out the door.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but, deals. but that's what—that's why, because you know they were having fire sales overseas, and there were some entrepreneurial Americans that went over there, saw the opportunity, and you know brought them over here. And of course, those days are long gone. Those days are gone. Those man. Long, the days are long, long gone. And, and, and so
0: the reality is, is it's not building an AK is not quote cheap, uh, and, and it, it just as much goes into making a good functioning workable AK. We had some American companies that were assembling parts kits that were kind of yeah. stinky for a while there, uh, but but a really good AK should cost you nine hundred bucks to a thousand, you know,
1: in today's market. Uh,
0: yeah, and today's market just and, a standard
1: AK. Some people, I mean, I was went on KUSA's site the uh, the other day, and they're up to like three thousand dollars on some of their, you know, kitted out ones, more yeah, um, elaborate How ones. How many
0: super cool things you want on it?
1: Yeah, you know? you know that's that's KUSA. So you know, American manufacturers. Let's say KUSA is one, Century Arms is one. Uh, now we've got you know Palmetto State, which they bought DPMS. Palmetto State on DPMS. DPMS, which it's the same. It's the same manufacturer, Palmetto State and DPMS. Um, and I'm not saying that there's uh, you know any quality difference in the two. I think I think you're probably getting just as good quality. And PSA makes a good quality AK. You know, uh, for the for the money. You know, you got to look at, again. You're looking at the money, the price point, what you're getting. Um, Riley Defense. They they say those are American made, made in the USA. They're another North Carolina company, I do believe. Um, Who's the
0: one out of Arizona?
1: Um Cave Art. Well, you got um, Fuller yeah. up there.
0: I, I, there's a, there's another one that's slipping my mind. That is a a high end AK.
1: You got Dissident. Oh. Um, the guys at Dissident Arms, but uh, they're not really manufacturing those right now. They're just kind of. They're, they're doing the shotguns, the AK-12s. Which, those are really nice. Uh, and then you've got uh, Fuller's other company. What was the former company that he was with uh, in Vegas? You know who I'm talking about. Rifle Dynamics. Rifle Dynamics, yeah, RD. Rifle Dynamics. Um, who else? There's, there's a there's a few other ones. Yeah. But those well, the are the Cadillac, big ones right there.
0: The Cadillac of AKs, or the Mercedes-Benz of AKs, or whatever you want to call it, is the Hockums. The ODS seventeen seventy five is it's the you know Cadillac of eight, of American made AKs. Yeah. But uh, any whozer. So the I guess the question is is you know do you have to have a tricked out converted modular AK or can you work with can you do what you need to do with a stock AK a wooden stock AK. mm
1: Hmm.
0: Can you do what you need to do with that? Uh, and I think the answer is yes. As a matter of fact, I think the answer, if you're going to be a an honest individual, if you're going to be honest with yourself, what I would do is I would get a stock AK first, go to a go to a two day class, you know, like a, a fighting rifle class or whatever, and then on the, when you come out on the other end, then you'll be better versed. You'll be better able to say, okay, it would have been better if I would have had blank you know, whatever, a different pistol. Well, grip, that's, different that goes, goes with grip.
1: anything. You know, you're not going to know what you need until you go and find out, one, why you need it. What, what are you using right. it for? And then you go train for, you know, what you think you're going to need it for. And then that's when you're going to find out what else you need, if anything. Um, so train, 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 train. That's how you're going to figure yeah. out what it is that you uh, want and need. But... You know, the AK has been around you know for, for many, many years. It's the most prolific rifle in the world. There's, I don't know, over 100 million, is that what the estimates are now that exist? In,
0: uh, <laughs> in, almost an incalculable.
1: 50 billion, I don't know. I'm going to throw a number out there. <laughs> I don't
0: think it's that many, but it's a lot. There,
1: yeah, there is a lot. Um, but now you know you look at all the rifles uh, that were derived from the AK. And the improvements that's been done uh, to make that design better and more effective, and, uh, you know, the, the Galil is one of those.
0: Yeah, um, the Galil, the Valmet. The Valmet, you know, the
1: Galil. <laughs> is, that ma- is, this, is it making the AK-47, you know, kind of a, an antique, you know, like a Mosin? Is is it is it one day gonna be looked at like a like a Mosin? You know, the gun well, the technology.
0: I mean, look at where the Russians are now. They're like what are uh, they at one oh five? I think they're on one oh five now. They just I can't even keep up with all the numbers anymore. Yeah. You know. Uh, the AK 100, AK 105, AK 104, you know, all these different things, and, and and the you know the the hardcore, the purists, and the geeks know they're like, no, the four is this, and the 105 is this, and the 100 is this. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know the difference in all those. Just right off. I, I would have to look them up, but yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know. You know, they're constantly improving, and and you know, at some point, it's going to be something different. It's not going to be the AK anymore, but um, does does that make it you know any less desirable? No, you know it's still one of the most sought after, especially in America. Um, if you can get an imported AK, you need to get one now because those are going away. You know they're becoming extinct. So if you oh, have yeah. an opportunity to get an imported AK, then get an imported AK. But there's nothing wrong with a an Ameri- American-made AK, they're they're great. You know, American technology has gone in again, improving the process and improving the materials that they're made out of, making them stronger, you know, more durable, longer lasting, uh, and then you know, accessorizable. <laughs> it was, which what we like to do here in America. We like to accessorize things, and you know, Occam's done a you know big big part in that with their, uh, you know, with the handguard that they came out. What's what's he call that again? The, yeah the merc the merc there you the go merc. the merc the Merk rail i got one hanging up back here uh, but yeah the
0: merc rail is it's it's fantastic and you know what's what's uh, to give to give brian credit the gun is lighter than it looks oh yeah when you look at it you're like "Ooh, that's that's that looks like a big rifle or it's, like you like know, it's gonna weigh 15 it, pounds like, yeah yeah it looks like it would be heavy but then you pick it up and you're like whoa This is not heavy at all, and it has really great balance to it. So, yeah, yeah, he's doing a lot of really good stuff up there in in Idaho.
1: uh, In Moscow.
0: In Moscow, Idaho. Moscow
1: or Moscow. I don't know what they call it up there. But um, Brian, Uh, let's run through some of these other questions. Most of these are PSA questions. uh, And like I said, we'll get get them on a later episode and get these answered for you guys. Uh, This is a silly question, and, I mean, why would you even ask this? If you're on my Instagram, and I've got links in my bio, uh, this guy asks, Bryce Snyder, where can we find the podcast? (laughs) I mean, that doesn't even deserve an answer, does it? So here's the thing, Bryce. If you found if you found where our podcast is and you're listening to this now and you found us, I am going to give you a dump tray. You win a dump tray. So email me talkinglet at gmail dot com. And uh that's how you claim your prize, Bryce. Um hopefully you know this thing called Google and you were able to find where our podcast are.
0: Was it L-M-G-F-Y-U-F-Y? <laughs> let me Google that for you. That's still a thing.
1: Let me Google that for you.
0: Yeah, let me Google that for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see, Ryan Reisner, and Ryan was uh, one of the winners of our prize packets of that ten thousand uh, dollar giveaway that we did. Uh, he 10, won. Gosh, he won the um, the Keltec prize packets, the sub two thousand. So. Ryan says, do you guys think the skepticism and critical critical critiquing of American AKs versus Russian AKs is helping American AK manufacturers develop a better product or hindering it? P.S. The Palmetto State Armory AK-105 is the next rifle I plan to get. Cool. Um... So I don't know exactly what he's asking there. Critiquing of American AKs versus Russian AKs is helping American AK managers develop a better product or hindering it. Um I think American manufacturing is always striving to be the best. So um if you're saying critiquing in that Russian AKs are better than American AKs, um I you know, I, I would assume that, yeah. Like I said, the American competitiveness is always there, especially in our manufacturing. We're always strive to be better, and especially against Russians, one up the Russians, yes. make make well, their own product better than be, them.
0: <laughs> they started it, you know. it, it yes, would make theirs. sense that, that you know that they would be the, the forerunners and the, and the leaders in the industry. And, and to be fair, to be you know, to be honest, about ten years ago, maybe going on fifteen now. There was some really sloppy stuff coming out of some American gun makers. Uh, well, in the uh, when the when the the assault weapons ban sunset back in uh, two thousand four.
1: Yeah.
0: When it sunset, there was a lot of guys that they, they smelled blood in the water or money in the water, uh, and they just bought up parts kits and pieces and started cobbling them together. And to be fair, there was some there was some less than stellar stuff coming out of some of these companies, uh, which is where people get the, you know, American guns or crap, whatever. But, uh, you know, it was obviously wasn't always the case, Yeah, but, the, but there were some, there were some, that were kind of, they were stinky. They were stinky because they were just trying to make them and get them out the door and sell them as fast as they could while the iron, you know, while people were buying. So, and, and a lot of those companies have gone away. Uh, you know, they, they've gone by the wayside, shall we say, uh, because, the well, A, the parts kits are drying up. The parts kits aren't what they were. It used to be you could just go to Romania and buy a shitload of parts kits and come back and take the American, you know, the 92F whatever requirements and stick shit on it. Yeah. But... but Today, that's kind of mm, the, the market. 22R
1: compliance, 922R yeah,
0: compliance.
1: Yeah, 22R. Yeah, that's something you don't have to worry about about an American-made AK either. Is that doesn't come into play, so you can put any part you want on your American-made AK. So you can go and, I mean, literally, you could go and change out all the parts to, <laughs> to imported parts, and, and there you go.
0: Uh, that was that was that was another. Don't get me started on that bureaucratic horse crap yeah like they just arbitrarily decided oh you have to have 10 parts or whatever like, go, go fuck yourself exactly <laughs> you know go fuck your dog i don't I don't want to hear from you you bureaucratic pieces of shit but i don't want to get i don't want to get jacked up about that but uh yeah it's a different world you know it and you know it's i guess it's the uh, is, is it the the, the the plight of man to not realize that that you are living in the good old days. You know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, these are the good old days, as as yeah. James Yeager says. He's like, you talk about the good old days. Well, these are the good old days. Yeah, you are living in the good old days. So again, if you see and it's within your budget, you see a imported AK or you know a parts kit that's a you know good decent parts kit. Uh, and we've talked about it in past episodes too, and we'll probably talk about it again this year. You know what what to look for in a parts kit and uh, building AKs. You know, we'll, we'll get more into that and get some other people on and get their opinions on building AKs. Get tips and tricks uh, in future episodes this year. But um, you know, do it. Go buy it now. Don't wait for prices to go down because they're not going to go down. They're going to continue to skyrocket. So if you get an opportunity. To get one, trade for one, you know, you got a couple of ARs or something laying around or, you know, shotguns or pistols or whatever, and somebody wants to trade you, trade, you know, barter. That's the American way. Yeah.
0: And, you know, the, with the ammo thing, we got really spoiled with all this super cheap surplus ammo. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of polling the manufacturers and importers and stuff at, at shop this year. And, uh, what they told me is they're like, look, we're, there'll still be some import stuff. They said, but the, the, the days of the, the, the bargain basement, the super good deals on surplus ammo are over. They say they're, they're pretty much over. We're not going to see those again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, you never know with the ammo. I mean there's so much ammo still in those other countries and Yeah, but
0: right now the Ukrainian war that all right, the Russians aren't gonna send us anything and we can't get it from them anyway because Joe Biden uh, and the Europeans and the former Soviet states, they're they're stockpiling. You know, they're stockpiling because everybody believes that Putin is going to do a, a, a spring offensive. Yeah. That once mud season's over, he's going to do a spring offensive. Uh, so the Europeans are preparing for that. The, the, you know, the Eastern Europeans, the, the former Soviet States, like, you know, the Romania's and the Czech Republic's and the Slovakia's and everybody who's a neighbor over there is nervous. All the neighbors of Ukraine are nervous and, uh, they're holding on to stuff. And I've also been told, and I think we talked about this when you were on our show that, um, The uh, the propellant powder manufacturers, a lot of it is getting uh, was being allotted to military contracts. Yeah. So if you've got a company where if you know the military of X Y Z countries said goes to a Australian powder manufacturer and like this is how much we want, and it gets allotted to military contracts, that means it's not going into the commercial market, which means The prices aren't necessarily going to be going down. Uh, So, you know, we've been telling our audience since we got back from shot. Look, if you're waiting for, you know, 10 cent, nine mil and 20 cent, five, five, six before you buy again, that's not happening. With inflation, with the war, with powder, the idea that I'm just going to wait until it gets cheaper and buy it. It's not happening, bro. Yeah. If you need ammo, you need to get it. That's it. Because it's there. It might not be the price you want to pay for it, but it's there. Eventually, it's going to be back to a situation where it's not there. And then it'll be, if you can find it, you're just going to pay whatever they want for it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, let's, give, let's give some stuff away here. Uh, All we'll right, give away. some stuff away. That one guy, you know, contact me. If you find us, uh, you get a tray. Um, so for people who asked the questions, let's go to, I got to bring it back up. I closed it. How about the very first one that I came across there, which was the, I think Raider 214. What were some of the biggest growing pains in the process of getting PSAAK line current level? Obviously, we're not going to answer some of this stuff, but for participating, Raider 214, you win the Seal One Cleaning Kit package, complete gun care kit. And um, email me, talkingledgmail.com. i need your address. I'll forward that on to Dwight, and uh, they will send you this. It's got their paste, it's got their CLP liquid. It's got a uh, a rag. It's got there's pre-soaked skins. They're bore patches. They call them the skin, the skins. It's got a brush in there. Um, so all your, your basic cleaning stuff that you need for your rifle, send that to you. Thanks to Seal One. Go to SealOne.com. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 25% off anything there. gracious. Um, I'm going to go to email for our next winner. And this came from Jordan Kincart, and it says, Hey, Lefty, I would love to hear you and the guys talk about the AK Pattern shotguns, Um, which we did that on an episode with Dissident Arms, um, but we talked, I think, more about their their shotguns. Uh, I think that would help bring a lot of folks into the AK community. I personally know countless people that picked them up about 10 years ago, uh, when they sold for four hundred, again the good old days, four hundred to six hundred dollars, uh, and love them, but are not your traditional tactical rifle crowd. With ammo prices and availability, what it is currently the most popular round I see everywhere is twelve gauge, and it is still cheap. Low round count drills make me sad. Let's put some serious lead downrange. Sincerely, Jordan Kenkart. Jordan. And he says Iowa lead head. So he's up there in Iowa. Cool. So Jordan, I appreciate the email. And yes, we will talk um, more AK pattern shotguns. And you win a dump tray from Mission First Tactical. So email me, tongled at gmail.com. I'll need your um, shipping address. And we'll forward that over to the guys at Mission First, and you'll get a, a dump tray, my friend. So, thank you very much. Uh, there's probably some other ones here too, but uh, I'll go over those in upcoming episodes. But guys, email me talkingletgmail.com. You've got questions, you got comments. Uh, maybe you hear us say something that's inaccurate, or you want to add to maybe uh, some things that we've said on the show here. Talkingletgmail.com. or the the Instagrams too. You know that a lot of people you know getting conversations when I make these posts, and uh, I love seeing your. Conversations back and forth from uh, one another there as well, so um, you can uh, hit me up there on the grams too. Uh, and then Paul hey. mentioned I was on an episode with him recently. Is that has that been posted yet? Oh a- yeah,
0: that's been up for two weeks.
1: Uh, has it been? is it not been two weeks? It's been a week.
0: <laughs> has it been only a week?
1: Yeah, it's not been two weeks.
0: Okay, maybe it was a week ago. Yeah,
1: I think it was. I think it was last week.
0: Yeah, it was the last week that we recorded and released it on Wednesday. So there you go.
1: There you go. So you guys can go listen uh, to me say "uh huh" to Paul a couple of times on his <laughs> his podcast. When Paul gets, it's you're used to doing a one man show, Paul. So you know how to how to keep it keep it going, and it's hard to cut in when you're talking. So I just let you roll, brother. So well,
0: we we did. I was talking to the boys, and there was some satellite delay too. Oh, was there? Yeah, there was some satellite delay, so I would stop talking and wait, and then nobody would say anything, so i just start saying anything, stuff, and, and Jared's like, he goes, yeah, but by the time we realized that you were pausing because of the satellite, you'd already started talking again. Yeah,
1: it was like...
0: <laughs> when, we, when, <laughs> when we do the satellite ones, you have to say, over.
1: Let me talk, let me talk. Over.
0: I, I just I just did a, uh, a Vimeo uh, interview with uh, Kayla at uh, Talking Lit Le- or not Talking Lit,
1: catchal response, yeah,
0: and it was the same way. There was a satellite thing, so yeah, it, yeah. She would stop, or I would stop, and we'd have to wait.
1: That's one thing we don't have here on <laughs> Skype is we don't have a freaking delay. Have we ever had a delay? I don't think we've ever had a delay. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a delay. We've we've had some <laughs> like choppy signals, but.
0: We'll see.
1: We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right guys, uh I don't have anything else that I want to talk about this episode. I just want to kick off let everybody know that we're back. We're bringing the AK corner. The AK goodness back to you guys. Um if there's a different pattern pattern uh rifle that you want us to talk about like we did the the vz58, the Valmet, we did an episode on the Galil. Um uh, you know, uh, some comm block uh, or foreign gun you want us to talk about outside the AK. We're open to that, too. We'll bring in the experts. I'm not the expert. I bring the experts on the show, like Paul Markle. Um, so we get their knowledge. We the, get their take. You know, some, pe- some people trickle. will come up to me and go, you don't know much about AKs as I thought you did. Well, I don't know a lot about AKs. That's why I have all these a- these experts on, and, you know, I'm learning just like you guys are. You know, that's that's my whole goal. Um I've just like I said, I've been been doing this for five years now. I know a lot more than I did when I started. You know?
0: Yeah. That's that's kind of the goal.
1: That's that's it's, my whole goal. Is I and I love so many other firearms too, you know. I like I love my ARs, I love my bolt actions, I love my shotguns, I love my pistols. So, you know, I'm into a lot of different things. So um archery, just got into archery. You know, I got my first crossbow uh this past year got my first harvest with my uh center point 430X Wrath. And uh, you know, so I've got a whole lot of other interests. So I don't just live, breathe, and die AKs, but I really do enjoy the AK corner and I enjoy having experts on the show to hear their opinions and I love hearing from you leadheads too. And I love hearing about your passion uh about the AK. So uh keep those emails coming. Keep the conversations going on the social medias, the Instagrams, and remember to participate, listen, and that's how you win on this podcast. And I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to give give away just as many firearms this this season as we did last season. We gave away. Here's hoping. Gave away. I don't know how many guns we gave away between the the normal podcast, the AK corner, and you know our just giveaway stuff. Probably over a dozen. I don't know. I don't keep, I know I don't get any of those. No. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get a, personally, I didn't get a dozen uh, guns, but we take care of you, listeners. You take care of us and we take care of you. They take care of our sponsors, Mission First Tactical. Go to Mission First Tactical, use the code LEADHEAD. You get 20% off. That even goes for their new products that they have. You get 20% off those new holsters that they've got, the new belly bands. Um, they got some more stuff coming later this year. We'll get them on. Talk about that. Uh, Seal One for all your gun cleaning, gun care uh, need. You go to SealOne.com. Use the code Leadhead, and you're going to get 25% off. Now he's not going to offer that for those new uh, cleaning rod systems that he's going to have out because his margin is so low on those. He's offering them at really good prices right now. So. Uh, once those come out, those codes won't work for that, but it'll work for everything else. Um, but you really want to protect your firearms and keep that corrosion away. Seal One is the product for you. Leadhead, 25% off. You want to get uh, the cool Leadhead AK Corner shirts, apparel, hoodies. You get the AK Corner stuff at Factory47, F-A-K-T-O-R-Y 47.com. And we're going to give you 10% off. You use the code LEADHEAD there. And that works on not just the uh, AK Corner, but any of his uh, products there at Factory 47. You get 10% off. So our good buddy James over there uh, taking care of you LEADHEADS. And then go show IWI US some love. We still don't have a discount code for them. Um, But maybe I can get one this year. So I'll talk to Jeremy. See if I can get a discount code from for IWI. Won't be for the guns, but it'll be for their swag and you know stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, and then Professor Paul, student of the gun, uh, you can go to their store. They've got a uh, pro shop there too. What do you call your store?
0: It's shop sotg dot com.
1: Not s t o g. It's s o g t.
0: Don't confuse people. Shop SOTG. <laughs>
1: com. Yeah. I love confusing people. That's what I do. <laughs> Don't, do Don't do that. And you so got yeah, yeah, the, book,
0: the books are there. The, the kits are there. The the various things, the the hats and T-shirts and and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: And then Paul and I have an episode coming up to where we are going to do a book review on uh, the Nicholas Orr series of books. Yes, um, we need to do that. Because we he do. Nick Nick won't come on. He likes to stay elusive. Uh so he's given us permission to do our own kind of a book review of did, his Did you his
0: get books. into the third book yet?
1: I haven't started the third book yet, but that is that is my goal next month is to start that one. Okay. So right. I had I had Stephen Hunter on, so I had to read his had to get his book, a new book read, which is a really good book. You should you should check it out. The Bullet Garden. Um I listened to the audio version of it. I don't have a I was looking for the hardcover. I don't have the hardcover. It's uh but it's set back in uh, World War Two. You know Bob mm-hmm. Lee Swagger from you know Shooter, the movie Shooter. You saw I'm the movie. Yeah, so it's from the book Point of Impact, which Stephen Hunter wrote. And he's written a whole series of Bob Lee Swagger books, you know, famous Marine, fictional famous Marine sniper. Um, Bob Lee Swagger. This is his dad, Earl Swagger. So it's a set back in, in the World War II days. And uh, it's really good, really good read. I know you leadheads will enjoy it. So go check that that book out from Stephen Hunter. But
0: Is, is he as cool as Thomas Thrasher?
1: Um, Bob Lee Swagger? Yeah.
0: Mm hmm. He's yeah. just cool. They're they're like
1: they they would be buds,
0: equally cool dudes.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the Thrasher is the the hero in Nicholas Orr's books. So uh, yeah, they would they, they'd be buds. They'd get along really good. Uh, but that's next my one. next read. And what's the third one called? I know I've got. It. I just got to go get it off the shelf.
0: Operation Diomedes.
1: Diem. Operation Diomedes. Books.
0: Yeah, the the jungle covered one. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So that's my next read and. Paul and I to come book review for that. Who we got, who else are we gonna have on with us for that?
0: Oh, uh, I don't know who else has read that book that that's in our circle.
1: I don't know if any of you leadheads are into the Nicholas Or books and you've read them. Email me and maybe we'll have you on with us to do the the book review. That'd be fun. Yeah. Get
0: I know a lot of our listeners have have you know, bought the books and read the books.
1: Why don't we do that? When we get one know, of the
0: you know Dave Biggers.
1: Yeah, I know it. I know Dave.
0: Okay, Big Bigger's is a big fan. Okay. He's a fan of the Nicholas Orr books.
1: Okay, well maybe we'll get him on with us. We,
0: maybe we should get him on if, okay. if we can. he You know, he's in Tennessee.
1: Yeah, he's just up the road.
0: Just up the road. So
1: just up the road there. Yeah, absolutely. Would love to have Dave on. I don't think he's ever been on. That would be awesome. He's a good dude. Yeah. he's a good dude. Absolutely. Our All right, leadheads, that does it for do it. this episode of the AK Corner. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, we're going to bring it to you once a month, every month. So be be paying attention, listening, and I'll be looking for your emails. And, Paul, again, thank you for taking the time to be on. I greatly appreciate it. And No problem. And I'm sure you'll be on uh, upcoming episodes as well. So there you go, leadheads. Until next month, go clean your AK. <laughs>